God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace to we here at Trinity. Bring this with you every week. If you can remember, if you forget it at home, we will have extras. If you turn to page 20, there you can take sermon notes. If you are so inclined, you can take sermon notes. And each week, you can take notes. Many of our small groups are participating in a Bible study connected with this campaign. On page 22, the Bible study for the first week happens. If you're in the small group, God be praised. If you're not, certainly encourage you to go through this this week as part of your devotions. Uh, Monday night, uh, Monday night, tomorrow night, uh, Nettie Schumann and I will be team leading that Bible study there on that particular page. And every Monday night, Nettie and I will be doing that. So invite you here to the church if you're not part of a small group currently. Let me have a prayer. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth, meditation of each heart here be acceptable in thy sight. In Christ's name, amen. Matthew 14. During the fourth watch of the night, 3 a.m. in the morning, Jesus went out to them in the midst of that storm, and he was walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Identify yourself. Who are you? For they thought that he was a ghost. They had cried out in fear. Jesus said to them immediately, It is I, it is I, do not be afraid, take courage. And Simon Peter said, Lord, if it's you, you who we've seen do so many miracles, if it's you, let another miracle happen to prove yourself. Let me come to you walking on the water. And Jesus said, come, and Simon Peter got down out of the boat, and he walked on the water to Jesus. I am up here virtually every night at 11 p.m., and I work till 1 a.m. getting things done. I can't get done during the day. Three weeks ago, I'm in my office per usual. It's 11.30 at night. I have the door to the office open, as I always do. And I'm in the middle of work, and all of a sudden I hear a crash in the building. And I hear the sound I thought of someone running. And I am absolutely, positively terrified. First thing I do is I run to the door, and I lock it, and I make sure the back door is locked so that no one can get into the office. I am absolutely terrified. My phone is at home. I think about using the church phone and calling the police, and... I sit and think, if no one's there, this is going to be really, really foolish. So I keep the lip zipped, and I sit there praying to God, you know. And finally, at about a half an hour later, I can't focus on getting any work done. I'm wondering what's happening out there. And so I go to that door, and I unlock it, and I go to the doors that lead out of the building, And before I go out, I say in a very loud voice, I'm sure it was as timid as a mouse, but in a very loud, Who's there? Identify yourself. And uh, with that statement, I leave the building as quick as I can. Go around the back side, I come in there and I turn on the alarm. I figure if anyone's on the building, the alarm's going to go off and the police are going to come. And I stand outside that door and I listen for the alarm and the alarm doesn't happen Did I ever figure out what caused the crash? No. Did I ever figure out who was running in the building? No. Did I ask Pastor Shower to look at the security cameras? No. But that's what happened. 
Who's there? Identify yourself. Your phone rings. It's uh, someone who's not in your contact list. Or maybe it has that famous word, unknown caller on it. And the last thing you're going to do is you're going to answer the phone to someone that you don't recognize the number or the person. Well, that phone rings and something's going on in your life right now, right? You've had some CAT scans done. You've had some MRIs done. And the doctor said, I'll get back with you. And you look at that number and you hear the phone ringing and you're sitting there saying, who are you? Who's on the other end of this line? I can't risk not answering the phone because I'm waiting for test results. Or maybe the phone rings and you've been out of work for a couple of months and you've interviewed at three or four different places and they said, hey, we'll get back with you, we'll get back with you. And you've been waiting patiently. The phone rings, you don't recognize the number. Your first inclination is, I'm not going to answer the phone. I don't know who this person is. But then that thought comes into your mind. What if it's someone that I interviewed with? What if someone's going to offer me a job and if I don't answer this phone, that opportunity is going to pass me by? Who is this? Identify yourself. Our comfortability in life depends upon one thing. Can I trust the family? Can I trust the friends? Can I trust you fill in the blank? And the most ultimate question of all, as we look up, can I trust him? Can I trust him? I want to know who you are. I want to know whether you're for me or against me. I want to know whether you're friend or foe. I want to know who you are, what you are, what your purpose or motive is before I take the next step. If you send your children to our parochial school, you do your research. You better believe you do your research. You ask others in the neighborhood, you make some phone calls, you check this out because these are your most precious treasures and you want to make sure that this place is a safe place. And that they're going to know about their Lord and Savior and... uh, Grow in fellowship with each other. You do your research. You've got cancer. You've got to see an oncologist. Do you just pick anyone out of the phone book? No, you Google it and you find out about this individual and you call around, check with other people. And then you trust your life to this oncologist. If a job has been offered to you, you just, you just don't take it. You do some talking. You do some research. Is this... Uh, company still healthy financially? Are they ready to go bankrupt? Is some other company going to buy them out and in three months I'll be looking for another job? You do your research. Are you for me or against me? What is your purpose before I take the next step? It's 33 AD. It's the middle of the night. Great storm going on. The disciples in the boat. And their terror all of a sudden switches from the storm to a figure they saw walking on the water. And they scream out in terror and they say, identify yourself. They literally said, this is a ghost, this is a specter come from the underworld going to take us to our watery graves. They think it's a ghost. And then the voice uh, speaks, the one walking on the water, he says, it is I, it is Jesus, do not be afraid. And Simon Peter says to him, if you're Jesus, you take blind eyes and you make them see. You take deaf ears, you make them hear. 
You take crippled legs and you make them walk. You take leper's skin and you make it pure. If you're Jesus, I want a miracle out of you. I know, I know, 12 hours ago you just fed 10,000 people with five loaves and two fish, but I need another miracle from you. Tell me to come to you walking on the water. And when Jesus said, come to me, Peter, Peter said, I know you. I'm going to do something that no man in history has ever done. I'm going to get out of this boat and I'm going to plant my feet on the watery surface and I'm going to come walking to you. Do you know him? Paul Strand, Connie Strand, Joshua Strand, we know him. We know him in ways we wish would never have happened, but they happened and we're blessed that they happened. We know him. Do you know him? I know you. You've been here 32 years. I've been in so much in your lives. I've heard you say, I know him because this situation here is a blessing from God. It came from him. This pregnancy, this job, this relationship, this my cancer's in remission, this is from him. I know that you know him because one of the phrases I hear from you so often is, who can get through this without who? Who can get through this without my oncologist? Who can go get through this without this surgeon? Who can get, you say, who can get through this without God? I know you know him. Is he for me or against me? My goodness. Sends his son to die on the cross for ourselves. Is he for me or against me? There's a lot of people walking in the Bible. Some of them running, Hebrews 12, right? Run with perseverance, the race set before you. Marathon last week. There are a few people running in the Bible, but most are walking. You've got two disciples. They're walking to Emmaus. It's the first Easter, and, and someone joins them, and they don't know who the guy is. And he's asking some questions, and they say, Man, where have you been? You've been burying your head in the sand. There's a guy named Jesus. He's been around for three years, all these miracles, and now he's dead. And this person walks with them to the village and, and they say to him, why don't you stay with us, man? It's late at night. Don't want you to get robbed or anything. Stay with us. And he does. And then he breaks the bread. And when he's breaking the bread, he says a, says a prayer. And as soon as he does that, they say, oh my goodness gracious, this is Jesus. And they run seven miles, midnight. They run seven miles back. And they tell the disciples, we've seen Jesus risen from the dead. There's a whole lot of walking going on in the Bible. Woman walks out to Jacob's well there in Sychar. She's got some water pots with her. She thinks she's going to get some water. She bumps into someone there. And she says to this someone some questions, and the someone talks to her for about an hour. And after the hour is up, she is walking back as fast as you can imagine, back into Sychar's village, knocking on doors. Because she said, I know this person at Sychar as well. He's the Messiah. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? Adam hears God walking in the garden and he says to God, identify yourself. And God must have got a chuckle out of that one. Identify yourself. Well, I'm God. And why are you hiding? And why are you afraid? You know who I am. Have you just sinned? Abraham's walking. He's got a boy with him. His Son, he's walking to Mount Moriah. He's going to sacrifice his son on the altar. My goodness gracious, Abraham. Why are you walking to Moriah? Because you know him. Why are you leaving a million dollar inheritance that your father has left for you, going to some place God hasn't even told you where? Because you know him. 
whole lot of walking going on in the Bible. Her name is Esther, married the king, King Xerxes. Xerxes hasn't asked to see her in months. Here's about a plot that the nation of Israel is going to be destroyed. I preached this this summer. And Mordecai, our uncle, says, Esther, you've got to go to the king, man. If you don't go to the king, uh, we're going to all die, including yourself. And she said, he hasn't seen me in months. He's angry at me. If I go into his presence and he doesn't hold up the scepter, I'm going to die. Mordecai says to her, maybe you have been appointed to this position for a time such as this. Maybe Paul Strand was brought here 32 years ago for a rise and build and all of this stuff is built and maybe God has kept him here this length of time for this one more thing. Maybe that's why you're here. You have your children in our school, God be praised, but maybe that's why you're here. One more step. Do you know him? Do you know him? Is he for you or against you? Do you know him? This is my money, Pastor. Do you know him? Connie and I have had months to pray over this. I showed her the chart. I said, we're heading here. She said, what? I won't tell you whether that was a good or bad what, okay? What? Okay. So we've had months to pray over it. You've got a couple of weeks. November 13th is when we're going to ask God to bless that which we've been praying over for these weeks and months. Do you know him? Do you know him? There's a man walking in the garden, and when he walks in the garden, he falls to the ground, and he's going to do something that you will never, never, ever do. He begins to sweat drops of blood. Even with Jonathan, we never got to the point where we were sweating drops of blood, many tears, but not blood. You and I will not shed any blood over this campaign. He is drenched in blood. And he says to his father, I want to do this some other way. And then he says to his father, I know you, Heavenly Father, I know you. Since the beginning of time, the creation of the world, I know you. Whatever you desire me to do, I will do because I know you. Do you know him? Closing word. 1859, October, 160 years ago, this church is built. They also build a cemetery and a school. Marvin Block, 10 years ago, leading a tour through the cemetery, he said, the first two graves in this cemetery were two babies. Goodness gracious. First two graves in this cemetery were two babies. Did the people at that time say, our church has been in existence for four months and the first people buried in this cemetery are two babies. We should just just stop right now, man. That's a bad omen. We should just stop now. They didn't because they knew him. 1859, it starts. 1882, the great fire that burns everything down to the ground. Do the people say, hey man, we've been doing this for 20 years and we still have 13, 14, 15 families. Let's just stop. This is a sign from God that we should just pack it up. And there's other churches around here. Let's go to Cooper's Grove and and let's go worship there. Did they do that? No. Because they knew him. Seven months later, they had built a new church and a new school. Seven months later, they built a new church and a new school. 
Do you know him? When challenges come into my life, and there's only been one or two huge ones, one that is greater than them all, when a challenge comes into my life, I am like the rest of you. My knees knock, and my body shakes, and I say, Lord, just stop my body from shaking. But then, he lets us know who's walking in the garden. Then, when the challenge comes into your life or mine, he lets us know who's walking in the garden. He said, it's me, God. Did you sin, Paul? Did you let fear and worry just overtake your life? It's me. Whether the challenge is in your private life, whether a challenge has entered your family's life, whether a challenge has entered at work or in your neighborhood, whether a challenge has entered into your church, let your knees knock for a moment. And then like Gideon and the Apostle Paul and Jonah and Samson and all the rest of them, you rise up and you say, I know you, God. You're walking hand in hand with me. In our Savior's name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? Heavenly Father, don't I love it when the blessings come? My goodness gracious. I'll spend a little time thanking you and then I'm on with my life. I dare say, 66 years on this earth, 32 here at Trinity, I dare say that when the challenges come, I do not thank you. Only later, only later do I thank you that that became a spiritual matter, that that challenge brought me so much closer to you, God, than I would ever have known could possibly be. The challenges, Lord, be with our dear people. I know so many of them are going through challenges in their own lives, health, relationships, finances. And be with this church, Lord. May we sit back a, a few weeks from now and say, oh my goodness, thank you, God, for allowing us this challenge because it brought us closer to you and we did mighty things because with you all things are possible. Such things we ask in our Savior's name. Amen.